and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 442. That's right. Tonight we are talking about the new uh, DC. I guess we can call this event or what we call this like new universe world building thing. Like it, it, it's got to be an event, right? It's a limited series. I don't know how much I, th- in all honesty, I suspect all this is doing is, is leading up to an event. Okay. Yeah. So this is uh, the limited series, infinite frontier. Uh, it's a six issue series. Uh, we are talking about issue one, actually today, as we record this issue two, just recently hit. So we're a little bit behind, but that's okay. Um, uh, we're covering this mainly of course, because of the involvement of Alan Scott, Jade and obsidian. Um, uh, but as we will see at the end of this issue, there will be another reason for us to cover it. We're also going to be talking about a snippet of the uh, Secret Files Infinite Frontier one shot that came out, uh, the one specifically involving Jade. We're not going to recap that so much. I mean, I'll tell you guys what happened in the issue uh, or in that particular story, but um, it's not really critical to this. Um, so actually, should we talk about that first, given it takes place before Infinite Frontier 1? Yeah, if you want to. Okay. All right, guys. So uh, the Infinite Frontier Secret Files number one, uh, or the, rather the one shot, uh, the third chapter of which, so, so Infinite Frontier Secret Files, it was a digital first series. It had six chapters, and chapter three was the chapter about Jade, which is called My Brother is a Kind of Shadow. Now, the story is by Dan Waters and Joshua Williamson. The writer is Dan Waters. Um, art and color by Stephen Byrne. Lettering by Tom Napolitino and associate editor Diego Lopez and editor Jamie S. Rich. This story is set up like most secret files have been in the past. Uh, there's usually some sort of a narrator walking you through a story. Um, in this case, the story is uh, Alan uh, and Obsidian, you know, uh, hugging. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not recapping. I'm just telling you where we're, we're picking up. Basically, we're leaving off after the zero issue. So Alan has come out to his children And they are sort of parting ways after the moment that he has come out to them, right? So that's when this story supposedly takes place. Um, They are at the JSA headquarters in in New York. Jade is on the roof. She's sort of recapping her own life, talking to the Starheart, saying that it feels a little different. Uh, Obsidian joins her on the roof, and and he's checking in to see, like, how she's doing, um she recaps her life things feel weird suddenly she feels she has a warning beacon go off and i said it in case 
something returned to her. She doesn't have her memories fully, so she doesn't remember what it was for, but she can, she feels where it's at. So Obsidian opens uh, a doorway through the, the darkness, the blackness, whatever you, the shadow, whatever you call it. Um, basically the shadow lands. They walk through it and they come uh, to a place where a hiker is walking off of a cliff in a trance. Obsidian catches him. He's hearing music. Jade's hearing music. And this is when Chroma shows up. Uh, Chroma is, you know, trying to uh, sing an apocalypse song. Um, New vibrational frequencies in this new universe, new oral structures, which will all die in their own ways. I'll peter out in unique echoes. I want to hear how everything dies on this planet with so many textures. And so I shall sing it into oblivion. Uh, they trick her. Um, basically, uh, she's talking about how because the universe is new, it the, the promise that she made in a past life, past incarnation of herself, uh, themselves, uh, is uh, null and void because, you know, uh, it's a new place. So... Uh, Obsidian brings her and Jade into the Shadowlands because that's also a new place. Uh, asks her how long it'll take them, her to sing her song. Could be, you know, 20 mi- minutes, could be 15 million years, who knows. So they leave Chroma in the Shadowlands and that's that because that's just life. Uh, and they depart ways and fly off. That's really it. I suppose the only information critical here is that Jade feels there's something off and or different about the Starheart? I, I mean, I suppose that's that probably is on the surface the most important difference. I mean, obviously, I mean, it could just be artist interpretation. I mean, she's kissing Kyle. It doesn't really look like Kyle. Certainly the uniform isn't right. Yeah. I don't get the whole Jade and Parallax thing either. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be something we're going to deal with um, because that seems an extremely odd pairing. So, yeah, I guess as far as reading between the lines about her as a character, I guess the, the something different with the star heart, I guess, is the most important thing for now to take out of the story. Uh, I looked up Chroma, by the way. Uh, it Chroma is a character from uh, the, the teens or so issues of Infinity Inc., uh, which is, God, what was that? Was the 80s? I think. Yeah, I yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mid eighties, late eighties, yeah, something like that. So, and that's really other than other than uh, their death, that's really the only time Chroma has appeared. Um, so I'm assuming that's when Jenny set her alert <laughs> to go off if Chroma ever comes back. So the idea that everything is still in play, continuity wise, or could be in play um, with this new Omniverse, really holds true here because we're talk we're referencing freaking Infinity Inc. of all things. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. And it's not like there haven't been references to in, things that have happened in Infinity Inc. They're just more uh, big picture in terms of Jenny and Obsidian's relationship and then their relationship to Alan. Because a lot of that stuff did play out or was talked about or tried to explore in some way or shape or form in Infinity Inc. But it was also a theme of them showing up elsewhere in the DCU. Um, this one is like a more very specific reference to Infinity Inc. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so I thought I'd bring that up, um, but it is, I mean, I enjoy the art in it. You, you referenced the panel where, uh, she's kissing, um, uh, Kyle with parallax in the background, that very same panel, the way, like the light plays off her face as the flame is in her fist. Like she looks really cool there. Yeah. It's a a very nicely drawn panel in particular. 
Yeah, the art overall here I think is pretty good. Uh, there's not a lot to play with in terms of backgrounds um, or colors outside of, of course, Jade's own power or, or Obsidian's power, but you're taken to like you know, sunset on uh, on a barren mountainscape sort of a thing, and then you're taken to the Shadowlands. So you're really just focusing on the characters. There's not a whole lot here happening, by the way, by way of background. Um, but uh, I I think in terms of character uh, character art, I think this looks I think this looks pretty darn good. And um, of the, all the costumes Jenny has had in the past, yeah, I'm okay with this one. It's not one of the ones I hated. She's had some. <laughs> Man, didn't she have one that was almost Star Sapphire-like for a little while? Like, way back in the day? It was just super skimpy for just no apparent reason. It sounds correct. I'm not really pitch, picturing it in my head, but somehow it sounds like it would be accurate. I'll have to I'll have to find it uh, at some point. Because I, I, I know there's one of those graphics on the internet that puts a character in the same pose, in the same artistic style, all in like a police, a police lineup, but in all of their different cart, uh, uh, costume interpretations. Um, I know that that exists out there. I'll have to, I'll have to search for that and find it and show it to you. But anyways, uh, all right. Infinite frontier number one. So we open up with Batman crashing into a Kansas field on earth 23. This is flashpoint Batman, Thomas Wayne, and he has crashed in front of Calvin's parents AKA president Superman. Um, we kind of get a little bit of the <sighs> humanities perspective in terms of, um, in terms of everybody on earth has learned now that the multiverse is a thing. Uh, this has been revealed to everybody. And so there, you know, there's tweets and all kinds of stuff about what's real and what's not. And uh, we see a very familiar face, threaten all of existence already over the skies of New York city. And that familiar face is extant. <laughs> Freaking extant <laughs> is here. Uh, but not for long as he gets slammed in the back with a construct train and um, Mr. Terrific and uh, uh, Vandal Savage, as well as Hawk girl. Um, and of course, Alan Scott, who's generating the construct train take care of uh, the Whirligog uh, that uh, Extant had in his possession and was trying to destroy everything. This is a team of people who have been put together to take on the threats uh, posing reality in the Omniverse. Alan and Obsidian meet up and kind of catch up and they kind of catch us up. If Basically, this is a bit of a recap here for a lot of the stuff that's already happened or been talked about in like the zero issue um, and, and elsewhere uh, because this is, um, you know, the, the end of the, the death metal event and Alan's coming out and, and, and that whole thing, how reality happens and, and all of this. Uh, so, that anybody picking up the issue one and didn't read issue the end of death metal or issue zero now knows where we stand. Um, but anyways, they're walking up on the JSA headquarters, the Brownstone, and they're crossing the street to get to it. All of a sudden the entire place explodes in emerald light. Uh, they transform into their costumes. They're looking for Jenny and obsidian freaks out and says, not only is she not here, but I can't feel my connection to her. Where is she? Um, 
there is already a tweet about the JSA headquarters in Gotham going up in flames. Uh, and this is where director bones meets up with uh, chase to talk about their, what is a DEO or whatever the, the acronym is for their particular organization. Anyways, uh, Thomas uh, Wayne wakes up in a med bay uh, and over which stands uh, Captain Carrot of the amazing zoo crew. Uh, Mary Marvel and uh, Aquawoman. I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Captain Carrot from Earth 26, Aquawoman from Earth 11, Mary Marvel from Earth 5, Machine Head from Earth 8, uh, and President Superman. Uh, these, this is uh, Justice and the members of Justice Incarnate who protect the Omniverse slash Multiverse. Um, so uh let's see what is what is Thomas Thomas tells uh is is just asking him who they're supposed to be um the uh, president superman asks him where he is from he says just get the flash and explain all this science mumbo jumbo as <laughs> president superman says which one Thomas <laughs> says Barry Allen <laughs> president superman says which one <laughs> so, which is which is great uh there are I like that they're already playing with the omniverse concept but anyways uh, Flash, as we know from the Zero issue, is running across the multiverse, uh, just kind of checking in on things. We see him check in on Earth 2, Earth 6, 9, 13, 22, 30, 42, 51, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and here I will just point out that you know we see things like the Red Sun Earth. We see uh, the Super Demon. Is that is that his hero name from the from the Magic Earth Earth 13? Is it Super Demon? You're asking the wrong one on that <laughs> I, one. Actually, I should be the one who knows because there's a version of Ragman on that Earth. Um, that's Commandy, there's Commandy Earth, right? Yeah, Earth there's one. Commandy. Uh, but then there's uh, there's also, guys, uh, Earth-9, that's the Tangent Universe. So the reason I brought uh, up this whole, this whole sequence of panels is because we see the Green Lantern, you know, the Tangent Green Lantern that has the Shepherd's Hook thing with the lantern on the end. Um, uh, that is, her, her power was like, death or something like like almost black lantern-esque if we were to compare it to something from now that sounds somewhat right but it's been so long since i read anything with the tan with the tangent green lantern oh yeah i've only got volumes one and three of the tangent trades on my shelf i've been looking for two anyways so he's running across the multiverse because he uh, promised president superman that he would wait for him before he raced off to one of the new worlds but he'd like to try something he says if I vibrate while I run through all of the known worlds and I gather up an multiverse energy to access the mystery world, Earth Omega, he pops through. Earth Omega is the place that we saw at the end of the zero issue of Infinite Frontier, where the quintessence died. And, a, uh, well, we assume, I guess, died. Uh, Barry comes across their bodies still smoking from antimatter or energy or omega energy uh whatever we want to he's obviously trying to figure out the mystery of who killed them i need to warn them death follows us it's heartbreaking you should have stayed away flash and uh flash gets hit with it's it's hard to quantify it because uh he it almost is like he's artistically speaking it likes it's like he's going through the various incarnations of himself from panel to panel like the first panel looks very silver age and and then so on and so forth as you go through he's like he's in the first panel he's saying but god but by golly we'll get to the bottom of this and you know 
it kind of matches the trope. But anyways, he is walked up on by Psycho Pirate, uh, who has been through some changes. Um, and then a voice from beyond says, you may toy with Flash after you fulfill your promise, Psycho Pirate. Remember your new role in this story. So Psycho Pirate tells Flash, there's a new crisis coming, except this time you and I are going to be on the same team. You're going to help us find something, or I guess I should say someone uh we cut over to a diner and this is where we sort of pick up on the idea that the world has learned about the existence of the multiverse and people are talking about what's real what's not real different versions of themselves and of course just like with anything else that happens especially as a commentary on nowadays there are people who don't believe it um and a guy comes into the diner overhearing this, basically telling him to shut up. What you're talking about isn't real and you're not special and blah, 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 blah. And a red haired guy sitting at the diner uh, stands up and confronts him. Uh, and the guy gets in his face and shouts, the multiverse isn't real. Just as the side wall of the diner explodes and a team of different individuals come in looking for Roy Harper. And this uh, redhead is, of course, Roy Roy uh, grabs a chair, throws it at them, uh, a fork, and so on and so forth. He tries to protect the people in the diner, and he a, suddenly a giant fist punches through punches the leader of this unit through the roof of the diner. Uh, the other two individuals are being approached by several different figures in uh, in black. Clothed, cloaked with energy, they get punched out the side of the diner. The people run away. And Roy wakes up. He's like, whoever you are, thanks for the save. Hello? Oh, oh, no. And we see Roy Hyper surrounded by four construct versions of himself at different moments throughout his history. And he is wearing a Black Lantern uniform and ring. Almost looks like Guy there. He does. He does look like Guy. So Extract is the bounty hunter. Extract, yes. Extant, Extract. They got all these kind of corny-ass <laughs> names. Uh, Mark found the image I was talking about a minute ago. Yeah, you, those two versions of her in like her space bikini thing that Jade had. I think my favorite version of her uniform is the one right before the purplish version on that image. That that doesn't have the Green Lantern symbol, but instead has the Star Heart logo. I, I kind of like the Kyle S logo on her in the same outfit. But you're but you're right. That one that one is really really close. But yeah, there there are some really hoish outfits in the uh, in in the middle. Um, the, the 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 not the first one not her original version but the the two right after it is that like dark stars era did she i never read dark stars did she have any sort of involvement because that looks like dark star sort of stuff oh the one with was, the with her lo, with her star heart on her boob yeah the, uh, i don't mean i don't know but it it is an interesting it's an interesting because I, I saw it and i thought dark stars for some reason i can i can see that uh yeah but the ones where she looks like she's doing a a bikini reaction video on YouTube. Those those ones are those ones are pretty pretty out there. Yeah, if you guys Google the image like Jade's uh, Jade DC Comics costumes, you'll you'll find it somewhere in the results. It's just basically a lineup of all of her costumes, and it's from uh, Boy Blues DC Universe is the watermark on it. Um, that's what we're talking about because Jade has actually had quite a few different versions uh, of her own costume, so that's kind of cool. But anyways. Um, you know, oddly enough, one of the first things I want to talk about here is I th- I thought I'd be mad because, like, look, we know that the voice talking to Psycho Pirate has to be Darkseid, right? At least we would assume. 
based on where the end of zero came from. Right. And there's only six issues in this limited series. Right. So why would they introduce anybody other than this voice having to be dark side? Secret files, Chad, secret files. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. I'm just saying secret files makes it more clear that it's dark side. (laughs) Oh, 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 yeah. I haven't, I haven't read the, the psycho pirate one anyways. Um, but it's, I thought it would bug me. I mean, other than the fact that it's dark side, I thought it would bug me that it's such like an overt like reference to crisis, but I kind of enjoyed the idea that psycho pirates, the stooge of the, the big bad were pulling in and trapping Barry Allen into the next crisis. Like I, I, I mean, I, I know it's almost like, you know, a rehash of crisis one, but I think that's, I, it's kind of cool. It, it, it kind of got me a little giddy to see like psycho pirate in this, in this, uh, in this same setting, kind of doing the same thing. I mean, I, I I know it's sort of, I don't know what I liked about it so much that I was okay with a rehash because like, you know, we, we say on the show when we're talking about like the current Green Lantern series, I don't like that we're blowing up the power battery because we've done this a billion times before. I mean, technically, if we're looking at this, we've done the psycho pirate is the stooge of the bad bo- bad guy in the, in, the, in the crisis and pulls a flash into the whole thing. And that's, and that's been done more than once. So, I don't know what the difference is here to me, but like I, th- I just thought it was cool. Like, okay, big bad, big crisis coming. Psycho pirates, this dude. I, I just thought it, it, it felt maybe there's like some nostalgia hit for me or something, but I thought it was cool. I think it, I think it also works because of the ties that they do have to Crisis about being. Well, obviously Barry technically died in Crisis, but being one of the psycho pirate, being one of the few characters that actually remembered everything that went down. And somehow it's certainly being implied that because of the relationship, which, of course, Psycho Pirate kind of plays up the fact that, hey, even after you came back, you never basically you never came looking for me, considering the things that, you know, that this rare this rare thing that we have in common. It's like and that hurt my feelings that the idea that there is a connection between these two to begin with and that somehow Dark Side knows that. And, and that's critical to him finding whoever they're looking for that they basically need Barry maybe as well as psycho pirate working together, but you, which tends to make you think it must be some, someone else related to crisis. Um, you would think it doesn't have to be, but it would, it would make sense. The outfit's kind of interesting too, since you kind of have this like weird, almost like inverted Dr. Fate look to psycho pirate. Uh, obviously got, once you, once you yeah, see the, once you see the, but the Omega symbol on, yeah. then you know that, you know, which which we also see in when you for those who have already read Infinite Frontier 2, you get a, another character that gets in or more than one, at least one major character reveal that has another uh, Omega symbol on it by the end of the issue. So, you know, so you knew right there that, you know, the, the design, but it's just an interesting it's an interesting look because it's so Dr. Fate like. You know, it's also Black Lantern, like given the, the the light of the energy contrasted with the black of the suit. That also makes more sense too, potentially when you when you read more information about Roy in the second issue of this. Uh, I also thought the 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 highlight of the story to me though, which you kind of laughed at, was the was the Thomas Wayne Flash thing. Give give me the Flash. Which one, Barry Allen? Which one? <laughs> I was like, what the? What's all this mumbo jumbo? 
it's like it's like the 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 not the non uh up to snuff uh modern day kind of character that you would that thomas wayne wouldn't be on some level that you just kind of get this old curmudgeon get off my lawn kind of version of batman it's like i don't understand any of this it's like i'm barely understanding it all since i dealt with it i didn't even know who, what what a flash was to ba- i met barry allen and now you're giving me all this crap <laughs> it's funny yeah because like I mean, I, I just like that they're having fun with it. You know, it's it's also like when Flashpoint was happening, some people thought it was interesting, right? But at the time, there was there there seemed to be more negative opinions of it. And then now, hindsight 2020, it's become almost cult classic-y. I say almost because, you know, it's DC. So can anything from a, a major publisher be cult classic-y? I mean, like, I guess you could say like Sandman and... And things like that. Uh, Neil Gaiman, Sandman, and uh, James Morrison or, or James Robinson's Starman series, things like that, probably took on a, a cult classic new life after their publication. But regardless, when you tell, because I, you know, I listen to like the Doctor DC podcast, or and and you know, I, I other than just going to my comic book stores, guys, I, I actually hang out there. And I, you know, I'll hang out sometimes at a, at a Comic-Con and just listen to what people are saying. I, I'm a, I'm, that's the kind of person I am. I don't, I know I do, I don't know, I know I talk a lot on the podcast, but real life, when I don't have like a topic in front of me I'm meant to discuss, I hang back. I don't say a lot. I listen to everything that's happening around me. And for people who either aren't, fam- are comic fans, but not familiar with or did not experience Flashpoint or non-comic book fans who just ask about it for whatever reason. Maybe they saw a glimpse or they saw something or a concept or whatever. Flashpoint is extremely interesting to a lot of people, mostly for Batman reasons, because of not just the idea that that uh, Thomas Wayne is Batman, but the Joker concept in that, because the idea is Bruce is gunned down in the alley, which sends Thomas on his, on his way towards being Batman. But Martha's psyche breaks in seeing her boy dead. And like when she like holds her, her, her hand up to her mouth or whatever, you know, the blood on her hand from Bruce gets on her mouth and it's in the shape of a a smile. Martha becomes the Joker. Like, that concept, just when you tell it to people at face value, takes on this new life for people. And they're like, oh, really? And like, I've seen non-comic book fans go, where can I read more of that? That sounds really interesting. And which anything that gets a non-comic book fan's in, intention always grabs my attention because regardless of whether I'm personally interested in it or not, you know, as comic book fans, we're always like trying to pass comic books on to people we know who aren't into them. Right. So we have another one in the fold. So anything that pulls people in. Uh, so it's interesting that we're we're bringing Flashpoint back because I don't know, man, I, I seem to remember there being some negativity surrounding that when it was happening. Maybe it was just more because, oh, we're rebooting the universe, not necessarily the story that was being told. But regardless, there was a lot of negativity surrounding Flashpoint. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it finding this, this continuing, ongoing life beyond itself. I think it probably was because of how they, whether it was originally designed to do that or not, but the decision to use that as a jumping off point or an excuse to relaunch the universe into the New 52. I think that, and especially because of how the New 52 eventually turned out, I do think that's probably where most of the negativity came from. If Flashpoint was just a singular event, 
and things got put back the way they were before, I think people probably would have thought of it a little more highly at the time. That's what, you know, that was, that, that was my take on it. I liked the event. It was a cool concept. And the, you know, so, and, and the, you know, the, the, the crossovers, like, the, you know, the Hal Jordan, the, the non Green Lantern, Hal Jordan miniseries or things they had. And, or so, was, were there two issues of that? Or was it just one? I'm trying to remember. Cause they had Abin Sur, cause Abin Sur obviously was Green Lantern. I think still, I think he was still Green Lantern at the time, according to this. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, let me, I just don't remember if they were one shots or they, or, or they were, two, or they were two, they were two parters, but I thought there was an Well, Because I remember I was getting things like, uh, I was getting the Flying Graysons thing. So, yeah, let me pull it up. Flashpoint Hal Jordan is three issues, and Flashpoint Abin Sur was three issues. Yeah, yeah, because I was getting Dead Man and the Flying Graysons, and I think there was like the Canterbury Cricket. Yes, there was the Canterbury Cricket. Uh, obviously, the Reverse Flash stuff because Reverse Flash obviously played a, a huge part in it. And I don't remember that I got anything else Flashpoint other than the main series. Like I know, like there was the Project Superman and Lois Lane and the Resistance and Frankenstein and the Aquaman and Wonder Woman stuff or whatever, but really like. I got the Green Lantern stuff because of the show and just my general interest at the time. And then I got Dead Man and the Flying Graysons because I'm a Dead Man fan. I have to get Dead Man. Um, but everything else I kind of stayed away from except for the Canterbury Cricket one shot, which was just like, <laughs> the fuck is the Canterbury? Like, it's one of those things you're like, what the hell is this? This is such a stupid, weird concept. I guess I'll, I mean, it's a one shot, whatever. I'll pick it up. Oh, let's just see what it is. Uh, but yeah. I got Hal Jordan, I got Abin Sur, I got Dead Men and the Flying Graces, and then the main series. I didn't get anything else. Yeah, I didn't get that much. I think I think I may have only gotten the Green Lantern, the Green Lantern ties to it. But I think yeah, but it is it is interesting that Flashpoint is playing is playing a or at least seemingly going to play a relevant part in some of the dynamic at least that's going on here. In but they have so many eclectic people, you know, groups and teams. Which I'm afraid of too is that they have so many, all these different teams being brought together to serve similar purposes, and all these different, all these different Earths, and the fact that they're going to be so, you know, freely visiting them. It's it's a slippery slope. I mean, it. We'll have to see how this event plays out. So far, through two issues, I mean, not again, not really an event. Probably it's a prologue to an event that probably whatever Dark Side is going to be doing, we probably won't deal with until next year. But I like, so I like. Overall, I like where this is going. I actually like the first two issues of this, give or take, even leaving out that whole director bones thing, which means nothing to me. Yeah. But uh, I like this so far more than I like the Green Lantern series. So at least it's something that I'm something that I'm reading that is that at least is last ride is probably the most interesting thing <laughs> that we've been reading lately and talking about. But but still. So is so the Justice League incarnate is is like or justice incarnate is like they're stationed in a, in a way and made up of people uh, from across the omniverse is the team of Lex Talia Al Ghul, Hawk girl, Mr. Terrific and Alan and, and Vandal Savage. Is that's also part of justice league incarnate or are they, they like an arm of justice league incarnate that are there their team on earth one. 
I honestly don't know. Originally, before we got into this, I assumed they were all going to be one team. Now, I would kind of suspect they're not one team, though you could be correct. It could be like a, a B team or, a, or a, like a, a subunit, a special unit. I Looking at the amalgam of characters we have, you almost kind of think they part of me thinks it's like only some of these people just took it upon themselves to do this. But then again, in order for them to work together, considering how diametrically opposed some of these characters would be and have history together, it makes you think there has to be somebody bigger that has that kind of like garner their respect in order for them to work together. So I think I think the jury the jury's still out, but clear, but clearly, you know, they seem to be operating in different spheres right now. So if they are related, it's just like, you know, kind of like A tier and B tier. That's what I suspect. I feel like they mentioned it in issue two, which came out today, but I only, I only read that once and I didn't, and it was more of like a skim than a, than a full read through. So I don't, I don't remember, but I just think it's interesting. So now we know who the, so issue, issue three of infinite frontier guys, this, the cover solicit, had a hand with a Black Lantern ring, and it said, who is the next Black Lantern or the new Black Lantern? We obviously know who that is now, Roy Harper. Well, well, not necessarily, because at the end of issue two, there's a whole bunch of questions, literally written out questions about, oh my, not like, it's a pseudo, it's not Rip Hunter's chalkboard, but it's something very similar, that they add, there's like a page of direct questions that are being that are being asked. And there is one question which I believe is asking something like which – hold on. I'll tell you. Give me one second. I'll tell you exactly. Instead of paraphrasing, I'll tell you exactly what it is. But it's yeah. something along the lines of which hero is is a, is a, is the new Black Lantern or, or it is. So then it, it is which hero is wearing a Black Lantern ring. So it could be – it could just be. But since they also have another question on this list, how is Roy Harper alive? It would seem to indicate that those are independent questions, because if you knew Roy, uh, um, but not I mean, not necessarily, but it is possible that it is open to interpretation that there is Roy Harper with a black with a Black Lantern ring and someone else with a Black Lantern ring. But we will know. I'm sure we'll know. For, maybe we'll know by that issue. So that will probably answer the question whether it's just referring to Roy, which makes sense if it isn't. Because of the fact that they kind of would have ruined that that cover solicit, you know, at the end of this issue, it was like, who's the new Black Lantern? And then we already know like two issues before who it is. So maybe it is hinting that there is a that there is another there is another Black Lantern. You know what's interesting? You know, actually, you know what? Before I because what I'm about to say and what we're about to go into is a spoiler for issue two, but I can't wait till we cover issue two to ask it and discuss it. So I'm whatever. Uh, and I skimmed any- issue. I sk- I mean, I did a quick read through one issue. Well, no, two. no, no. You, 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 you'll already know what I'm talking about. Okay. Do we have anything else about issue one proper before we get? Because I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to tell people like, oh, we skip a, skip ahead ten minutes and we'll continue our conversation about number. Let, let's finish number one first before I say what I was going to say. No, I mean, I don't think. I mean, I mean, I don't think there's that much. I mean, the I mean, the, the Allen stuff. I mean, it was relatively quick and to the point, like we referenced, uh, I think last week. Yes, there still was an Alan Scott gay reference in the story, in the story, which is not present in two for what it's worth. But up to this point, yes, every single reference, every single Alan Scott appearance had been tied around, even though it's, you know, just it's, it's a borderline throwaway line, but it continues to pattern. But the Alan Scott story puts, you know, obviously sets the dynamic for what he and Obsidian are going to be doing related in relation to trying to find Jenny, which is going to be probably their major role in the six issue series. 
But other than that, I don't really think there's much to else I mean, to go into. I mean, other than speculating on who took Jenny, we th- I mean, it's only six issues. So do we think it's part of Darkseid and Psycho Pirates thing? It could be because there seemingly is something going. There is, which could be interesting for us. There just seems to be some tie into either lant- lantern-esque powers, which is what I'll get to when we yeah. do the spoiler thing. But um, anyways, so. the well, the reason I ask is because it, it'd be one thing if she was gone. It's something else entirely that Obsidian can't feel his connection to her once she's gone, and we already know it took Flash a very interesting use of his abilities to even get to earth Omega. So the fact that obsidian can't sense her anymore makes me think she's in a place that is extremely difficult to get to or is blocked off from the rest of reality, which would be earth Omega. I would agree with that. Okay. That's what I'm thinking, but, but I'm, I'm basing this entirely on the fact that we only got six issues to deal with this shit. And you and I have both already read number two. So, I mean, realistically, we only got four more issues, and I doubt we're about to reveal another big player here. And that the third issue comes out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So two issues come out pretty much this month in, in, of in, for Infinite Frontier. So this move, I mean, so this book is moving along quickly, which doesn't mean it's DC. So it doesn't mean you can't grind to a halt with a delay in the release schedule. But this thing is certainly shaping up where even if you're only getting one book a month that this thing will be over by what well, October. And if we get two issues a month again, this thing will be over in September. So is that what you were going to ask me? That's, that's what I was going to ask you about, about Jade. I just want to make sure we finished our conversation. Oh, about, okay. I just, I, okay. Yes. About issue one. Yeah. All right. Um, so spoilers for issue two guys, issue two came out today though. So hopefully as we record this the 13th, so hopefully when you guys hear this, you guys have already read it. It's not, not a spoiler for a lot of you, but on the off chance you haven't read Infinite Frontier number two yet, spoilers. Um, and I believe we're not talking about anything super intense after this. So uh, skip ahead five, ten minutes. If we're still saying keywords that bug you, skip ahead another few minutes. Anyways, um, I based on the ending, uh, or not the ending, but what happens to Roy in issue two, what if Darkseid is Necron? They are one and the same. Because... At the end of issue zero, because I pulled it up here while while we were getting ready to talk about this, now reconstituted from my lesser forms, all of my past aspects have become one. My true form, my power exceeds what it was before the first crisis. I am finite. I am final. Darkseid is the end. What if... Because Darkseid, Darkseid is supposed to be, because he's obsessed with the anti-life equation, he's a god of death, essentially. What if this reconstituted, finite, omega version of Darkseid, the, the Darkseid as he always was supposed to be, as the universe intended him to be in, in terms of this, what if he is necron in a way not that like we're gonna get like you know he's gonna peel off his mask scooby-doo style and it's necron underneath the dark side mask but like the two beings are one and the same because at the end of this at the end of issue two roy goes you know plays with his black lantern powers and and activates it enough to where he goes almost full zombie and and the the symbol on his chest changes to the omega and dark side says come to me my black lantern who else can control Black Lanterns except Death? What if Darkseid is Death? Darkseid is Necron. 
See, when you were first going down that road, I was all ready to say, well, I don't think so. But there certainly are enough. There are enough clues to indicate that even if he's not necessarily the true character of Necron, that he has enough of the properties or that he is with with all of the other pieces of him put back together, that he essentially in this omniverse, this new omniverse that has been created and everything else, that he is basically that that universe that answer to Necron that it wouldn't it would make it would make sense uh there obviously are some weird things going on with that black lantern ring some of the powers that Roy was able to use before he goes down you know before it kind of like takes a turn for the worst but it's also interesting how you know he gets the you know he gets the images of what's really of what of what's going on as far as related to some of the things we've seen before and are coming I mean, as logically, we all it, logic dictates it is Dark Side calling him because, especially because he gets the symbol on his chest. Now, of course, there's a possibility that's a curveball that maybe, uh, or maybe there's something that's like a duality. There's there's like a battle going on for who's who's controlling him, which would explain why maybe why Roy seemingly is like a regular lantern that just happens to be black uh, energy at one point or for the majority of the time. And then he turns into full bore looking like he's dead. Uh, so maybe there's like something going on fighting for control of not just necessarily black lantern power, but lantern power, if that relates somehow to, to Jenny, but it's, it, it is interesting. It certainly changed. It, it certainly would make it more interesting for me. That is a dark side. If we get something like that, just the idea of using black lanterns again in a relevant way would be, interesting because we haven't seen shit um we haven't even seen black hand forever see and that's the other aspect you mentioned that the the way in which roy uses the ring is a bit different than how we understand the black lantern rings to be utilized that's that's neither here nor there it it could be different could be the same it could be six of one half a dozen of the other but assuming some of it is the same what if roy or psycho pirate is dark side's black hand from well, from reading it so far i'd say psycho pirate is the black hand well but psycho pirate wasn't but he's not dead though we don't know that he's wearing a mask yeah but i think I, he used his mask during blackest night as a zombie yeah I, so I have to go back and read issue two i mean excuse me read the uh secret files because i think we get i think we get more of that Okay. And I'm not saying you're wrong because I don't actually. I read that when it first came out, and I and other than flipping it open here to get to the to talk about the Jenny Obsidian story, I don't. I know the the crux of what happens in it, where where we end up with the characters, but I can't. I don't remember beat by beat how we get there because essentially, it seems like my initial analogy was going to be. That it's kind of that basically Psycho Pirate is a Silver Surfer to Dark Side's Galactus, but it's probably more accurate that Psycho Pirate is probably more like Terax the Tamer, <laughs> because at least Silver Surfer was a good guy. Uh, that, but it basically it seems like the Psycho Psycho Pirate is almost like the Herald to are being used in that capacity by uh, Dark Side. But yeah, if 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 he's dead, if he's actually dead, you, you could be correct that. But then again, maybe Roy, because we know Roy was dead, but yet Roy is also alive on some level. So maybe Roy is going to be like the Black Hand. Maybe Roy is going to be Black Hand to uh, to the to Dark Sides Necron as the catalyst to being able to do something. That he is the he is the the their entity in, 
in this omniverse, that version of what Black Hand was, the gateway to being able to access and have more influence on the the, uh, the omniverse now as a whole. I don't know. There's a lot. There's still a lot to be, that needs to be unpacked. So I, I didn't read the full story, but I pulled up the chapter six with the, the, the psycho pirate thing. There's only one page of a conversation between Darkseid and psycho pirates. So I just sort of skimmed it. And it looks like because because Darkseid says he says, uh, would you like me to remake you psycho pirates so that you might not be alone, that others might join in your despair? He says, yes, then it is done. And Psycho Pirate screams as the art shows that it looks like he's being disintegrated or ripped into pieces or whatever. So he could very well be dead at the end of that. Right. But what about in the beginning of the story before Darkseid gets him? I think that might be more of a clue whether he's actually. I mean, he's alive there, at least. It would right. Be. And that's the and that's the only. But then again, you know, Black Hand was technically alive till he blew his brains out and, and, exactly. that, opened, and that opened. So it, it's it is possible. But I mean, I saw again, I saw that more as he was remaking him kind of like the way Galactus remakes yeah. his heralds. But uh, and to and to kind of like as a trade off, it's like I need I really need you to do, I need you and to, to pull off what I need to what I'm going to do. So but I'm willing to give you this in return. So almost like almost like in a weird way how uh, one of the reasons why Henshaw was so willing to go along with everything in the Sinestro Corps war was because the anti-monitor promised to finally be able to actually kill him and he's and and, and end his suffering at the end that the thing that Henshaw could never do was die and that the anti-monitor pro- promised that hey at, at the end of the day you help me you know when this is all said and done I'll keep my word and basically end your existence except this is a different kind of ending of psycho pirate suffering and basically is creating it's putting it it's it's re, remaking him but it could be it's certainly intriguing enough to consider yeah i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna call it but i just like when i when i it just sort of clicked while we were doing the episode i was like whoa and i, I just i had to say it so it hit me intensely enough that i'm like there's there's definitely merit to that idea <laughs> and we'll probably have a better idea once we get to um once we read the third issue. Yeah. You assume that you assume the third issue is going to be relatively uh, Black Lantern heavy, not just because of what happened at the end of issue two, but just because of those questions, because two, yeah. two of the questions on the back and that back page are related to Roy and or Black Lantern. So, I mean, it could be a double blind, though, because like. You know, we remember remember Brightest Day, right? You know, Brightest Day started off, you know, but by issue three or four, with the whole Death Storm side of things, we were seeing the anti-modern monitor and then Black Lantern showing up again. And we had that gatefold spread of the same, you know, live panel uh, from from Blackest Night, but the same layout, except the, the same characters as Black Lanterns. And it was like a die sort of a, a panel or whatever. Um, and that was only like issue four or five uh, or so into the brightest day series of a 24 issue series. <laughs> so could, could be, a, could be a double blind um, that they're playing with this year. And the black lanterns may not mean as much, but it kind of mean why, are the, why else spend so much time on it? So on, on a six issue mini, um, well, he could. Okay. Just, I mean, he could just be put. I mean, this could just be again, just putting your chess pieces on the board, or, yeah. or, or positioning them. It's. It could just be depending on how many, because you think about what you think about what we what we already know from from uh, this issue is that 
Darkseid's looking for someone in particular who you assume is going to be someone else he needs or wants as part of his plan. So he would have, so whoever that person is, and, he, and Psycho Pirate mentions the fact that this time that he and the Flash are going to be working together in this crisis. They're not going to be on opposite sides. So you think about it, on one level, you can make the case that from the dark side perspective, you could have Team Dark Side from one way, shape, or form. You could have Psycho Pirate. You could have Barry, not willingly necessarily, but Barry. You could have Roy. You could have whoever the hell they're looking for. And there's still probably more, more piece, you know, more pieces to come together in the in the in the remaining four issues. So it could just be basically putting together Dark Side, you know, what Dark Side's team is going to be, and or revealing what Dark Side's plan is, or at least part of what his plan is. And that's probably what the goal of this is, since since they haven't announced, you know, whatever the hell they're going to call this thing. They haven't announced what the actual crisis we're going to be dealing with it yet or solicited for it. So the odds are it's not going to be coming out probably this year. Yeah. So. All right. Um, you mentioned Hang Hen Show, so I think I'll, I'll, that'll serve as my segue here. Uh, additionally, this week, we, you know, the spoiler section is over. We have talked about Infinite Frontier number two. At least we will we'll talk about it more in detail uh, on, on its own episode, but there's just some speculation we had to get into there. But um, this same week, Action Comics, the 2021 annual number one, has released. Uh, by the way, Justice League Last Ride number three, guys, that is also out today. Uh, more Green Lantern stuff happens there, too. So continue getting Justice League Last Ride. But specifically, since Justice League Last Ride will have its own episode anyways, uh, let's talk a bit about uh, the 2021 annual. Uh, this is the House of L stuff that we talked about from Future State. This is the same characters, story, and everything. This is actually sort of a prequel to what we saw in the Future State House of L one-shot. Um, this is uh, uh, essentially uh, we're going not too far back in the history, but a little bit. Uh, it's bef- it's the wedding of Khan L and uh, Allura L. This is before Brandon Kent um uh, retires. Uh, this is when Than uh, Thander Banel is like teenager or so and uh, still learning her her ways. Uh, the Blue Lantern Rowan Kent is here in this. She is here. She's featured on the cover, so on and so forth. But she is just there. So we're not going to be talking about this issue on the show in terms of getting its own episode. This is basically where we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, Mark said he wasn't going to get it. Uh, maybe that'll ch- the, what I'm about to say will change his mind. But uh, spoilers, guys, if you maybe light spoilers or in just in terms of general plot during the wedding, uh, uh, Pyrus or Pyrus or whatever, however you pronounce his name, uh, attacks. Uh, and the this group of the elves gets sucked into the phantom zone and just like every other story we've seen in the phantom zone we got to figure out some interesting and unique way to get out of the phantom zone right well they meet somebody in the phantom zone who saves their bacon and that person is hank henshaw so uh he he is there uh obviously He's Hank Henshaw, so is he really good here? Is he really helping out? Does he have his own ends and so on and so forth? Uh, that remains to be seen. If you're going to pick up the issue, that's all I'll leave it at. But Hank Henshaw is involved there. Uh, if you're a huge uh, Cyborg Superman fan, 
but if you if as as lantern fans if you guys are getting this uh, or curious about this for the blue lantern connection she's really just there we don't learn much about her her power uh, how it works in this future um is, is she the only one what like we don't learn really anything about it she uses a construct or two but i mean nothing that gives anything away about how the power works or anything, anything at all. Um, so if you're, if you want to buy it just to have lantern, you know, a more complete lantern stuff in your collection, even if it's just a background appearance or a, a relatively supporting character, go for it. But if you're solely buying this or thought about buying this so you can read and learn more about this new blue lantern, there's really nothing here for you. So pretty much just like the future state issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they tease you into thinking it's because conceptually it's cool, but they do absolutely nothing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 if you, if you actually look at the cover, uh, the main cover of the 2021 annual for action comics, the, the guy you see it with the, the lit up red eye in the hood, that's cyborg Superman. So I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at it now. That's kind of cool. So obviously he's been trapped in the phantom zone for a while. For a long time. Yes, sir. Yep. So as a cyborg Superman fan, maybe you change your mind. Yeah, I, I, I might I might have to. I might have to consider that then. Because it seemed like you were interested. I mean, like, obviously, we read it because of the Blue Lantern stuff. But relatively speaking, this world and in, in these group of characters we were introduced to in that Future State one one shot didn't seem like it was off-putting to either one of us. Like we wouldn't mind reading a couple more stories. So if, if you wouldn't mind reading a couple more stories and hang Henshaw is a huge pull for you, then I'd say get it. So this, this is just a one shot though, right? Because it's an yeah. annual. So we don't know. So we don't know when, when Henshaw is going to show well, up in this world again. So the solicit says this special tale connects to world war world rising which is an arc being told by Philip Kennedy Johnson in the current action comics slash Superman run. Uh, which would make sense because of uh, Henshaw does have ties to war world anyway. Yeah. So I'm not reading. I, I read the first issue of, of Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, action comics in the first issue of a Superman uh, because the two individual issues were supposed to be like a, a, a two issue crossover between the two. And then, from there, each series would split into their own arcs. So only issue one of, of his run on Action Comics and issue one of his run on Superman would cross over. And then from there, each would split into their own story. Um, I would assume at some point they cross over again, but it wasn't really for me, at least what was being done at the time. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe Hank Henshaw has stuff to play in this World World Rising stuff that Kennedy Johnson is telling in his current run. So... But this is so far in the future. It's just like how much, how much more will we learn if you go over to War World Rising right now? If this is your main pull, that's true. That is true. It, it could also just be something that if if the story turns out to be somewhat interesting or retroactively, that might just cry out for a graphic novel purchase. Yeah, yeah. Which a by trade. the way, I, yeah. I I googled War World Rising because I was like, well, is this an upcoming story arc? Is it a past story arc that's already out? Uh, so I already know that it's the current stuff that's happening because the solicit for the trade has already been sort of talked about. It's up online for pre-order in, in various places, and it's like somewhere in February of next year. 
is when the trade paperback is expected. So it's definitely stuff that's currently happening in action comics. So. Interesting. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention at the end of the last episode, I talked to you guys. I said, hey, there's this Funko Pop for around San Diego that's uh, going to be coming out, and it's got the Green Lantern logo on the top. We don't know what it is. Well, surprise, surprise, the very next fucking day, uh, <laughs> an image was leaked of what that pop is. White Lantern Sinestro is going to be the Green Lantern-related pop that is coming out very soon uh, during the Funko convention stuff. Because I don't think San Diego – obviously, San Diego isn't happening in terms of the actual event isn't occurring. Are they doing a digital event? I'm not entirely sure. I would assume so. But it's certainly not the way it's certainly not the way it normally is. If if, even if they are having a physical presence, it's not. Where it's not it's not where like at least with New York where you know they're doing it may be reduced but you know that they're still doing it physically right right so so in terms of in terms of all of that the uh, Funko it, they're not really called SDCC exclusives like always they're called summer exclusives Funko's doing their own, own event it's like Funko Con or it's got its own weird name whatever. Um, uh, but a part of that will be uh, this White Lantern Sinestro. His mask looks a little weird, uh, I think. Um, otherwise, I mean, I'm going to fucking get it, whatever. Um, but he's holding, so uh, it was Green Lantern, I think was the issue, not Blackest Night proper, where we we saw uh, uh, Sinestro in his White Lantern uniform, like wielding and jumping for, towards the reader with a White Lantern construct sword. He's got the sword uh, in this, but he's more holding it sideways in front of him uh, uh, in in the pose that the pop is in, as opposed to like, you know, like like the panel leaping towards the reader with the sword in the air. Fits um, in the package better. Yeah, I mean, fits in the package better. Uh, I think he, I, I mean, despite the mask looking slightly odd, I still think I still think it's a cool looking pop. Uh, and obviously the photo that is out was like a leaked photo. So it's not like a glamour shot of the actual product. So I assume the glamour shot will look better. Uh, give us a better representation of it, um, which probably is going to hit tomorrow as we record this. Now, do uh, we think that answers the question about when we heard the story about a new white lantern coming and they, when they leaked out the Kyle picture that, that again, this is also that Sinestro that Sinestro is that white lantern. I'm not going to say it is. I don't think so. Because I wouldn't put him past him to do more White Lanterns and more Black Lanterns. And then, well, right, but but it didn't make a lot of sense for them to do Kyle as a White Lantern because they've already gotten yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. I, to me, that was my natural reaction. I mean, it made sense. I think. I mean, I think we actually kind of did speculate. That, I thought we did that just because they had the Green Lantern logo on the package didn't mean it had to be an actual Green Lantern figure. Yeah. Uh, but I thought. But when I first when that when that figure when we first saw the pictures of, of Sinestro, my, my, the first thought that popped into my head was, Oh, that was the leak when people said, Oh, there's a new white lantern coming. And they, and they just threw out a generic image of Kyle because that's what most, the easiest white lantern to find. So, yeah. We, we don't know what these, with what, what stores these are shared with. So it's possible that this could also be the white lantern we were expecting from hot topic. Because we don't know yet which stores the, all these releases are supposed to be shared with. We know what Funkos they are. We know that they're part of this event, but we haven't been given the list of which which toy which of which of the Funko Pops are exclusive to which stores. True. So it's also possible that this is the the White Lantern we've been expecting from Hot Topic. Uh, I'm with you. I don't. I mean, like on the one hand, I agree 
putting the Green Lantern logo across the top uh, makes sense in terms of an sort of umbrella. You know, let's 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 house all of these under under a certain thing. But at the same time, last year when the freaking uh, and forgive me, I'm I'm looking behind me, so my voice changes. Uh, when Spectre and Deadman came out, it pissed me the hell off that at the top of it was a Batman logo. Yes, oh, which, because it didn't make that made oh. even less sense because it's not even in the Batman family. Now it's not Spectre anyway. Well, Jim Corrigan and I think they've been placing Gotham. You could do a Gotham. I guess you could do it under the Gotham blanket. I true. Um, but anyways, so yeah, there's that the the white and just for what it's worth, there's also going to be a, a Doctor Fate one, which I've talked about on the show. We've seen that now. What that pop looks like? It looks freaking cool as shit, just like I thought it would. Almost the full list of of those Funkos is is out at this point in terms of what what to expect. I'm pretty sure I'm just getting Sinestro and, and Dr. Fate. But uh, your Cap Wolf, I showed you a photo of that. Yeah, he's a definite possibility. I'm like, I don't know, but it's a strong, but it's a possibility. Um, in that same photo was Blade. There's gonna be another Blade pop, which I thought looked looked cool. I don't, I'm, I don't need it, but I th- I thought it looked cool uh, enough to where like. If I was a little bit more lax, because I, I still have a lot of Marvel pops. I'm thinking about selling some of them and like, but only keeping like, uh, you know, Captain Universe, Spidey, and you know, Thor, like some of my favorite characters. Um, but if I if I weren't considering that, I'd probably get that blade, because that blade looks pretty pretty freaking cool. Personally speaking. Yeah, but he looks blade looks pretty good. Uh, there was another, I think there's another DC, there's there, there's two other DC ones that we're expecting. I'm not getting them, just because I don't get these sort of weird-ass variants, but uh, the sort of like samurai Japanese-looking versions of DC characters, or, or the DC characters in samurai outfits, there's a Martian Manhunter and a Deathstroke expected, FYI. I've seen the, I've, I've seen the reveal of those. Those look kind of cool. So just in terms of DC fans, if you just want to know what's hip happening Funko wise for this upcoming convention, that's I'm pretty sure that's just basically that's basically it if that's what you're looking for. But uh, yeah, Funcon, F-U-N-K-O-N. That's that's what they're officially calling their little event. But whatever. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's it, right? I don't think I had anything else I needed to say. No, I think that was everything we planned on covering tonight. All right. Well, if people want to reach out to us, talk a bit about Infinite Frontier, yell at us for spoiling, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> about issue two, or chime in with their theories about what Darkseid is, uh, how do they do so? Lanterncast.com, the the email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. Track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, whichever platform or platforms you listen to us on. Please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, text or leave us a voicemail at 708Lantern. 708Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.